0: I feel like I've seen, I've seen enlightenment and I thought it was going to be about levitating and telekinesis and it's actually just about an increased awareness of how annoying I am. I have a hard time sticking to them. That is actually a thing about me and everything in my life. So I started this podcast during Mars retrograde, which is when you're not supposed to start new things. That's like the main rule is don't start new things because you'll run out of gas and I've run out of gas. I haven't run out of gas for everything else, but I just am in a heavy review period and my mind is changing on a, like every four days basis. And that's a weird, scary time to do a podcast because I probably won't be looking at things from this perspective next week, but we're going to do it anyway because uh, P the Fairy is here and I have questions and there are things I want to talk about. Thank you for, I don't know how to introduce people (laughs) still like three years later. I don't, I usually say the person's here and then I talk for 20 minutes um how's it going good are you in deep review energy hmm. am i in, uh, i don't know no it doesn't seem like it yeah. i keep trying to blame it on mars retrograde it just might be my own bullshit
1: <laughs> yeah i don't know i mean maybe I, th- I feel like my mercury is uh always in retrograde what is that called mm, is it my natally yeah um so i think maybe i might slightly be reviewing things all the time a little mm
0: okay I feel like, for whatever reason, this window of time from, I don't know, August to now, so it feels very connected to, to to Mars, but might not be, has felt like a landing of some sort of the projected, like the the ascension we've been projecting outward, and it feels like a review of what we thought was going to happen versus what did happen, things we've torn down, do we do we still agree with the way we handled things, things we are creating, is this how we want to keep going? Like this is how it, but it feels very connected to spirituality to me. And I am in a deep review of how I want to show up and what I want to talk about. And I don't know. I So it's, it's maybe just my, my sh- I tend to think that everyone is in the exact same
1: experience that I am, but it's just me. Well, I, I feel like that's also very Piscean because like it's Pisces is the 12th house, right? And it's like everything. Mm. And it's like the one and everything. And it's all the one, all the one thing. I don't know. But it's it's funny, though, because when when was when were people in Nashville before? What month was that? What was that? August. And I was you you told me to come in August. And I looked at TikToks of Nashville and I said, (laughs) (laughs) I I can't do it. But then a friend of mine was like, I went to NOLA before you reached out to me. And they were like, you should go to Nashville for some random reason. Huh. And I said, I was invited to Nashville, and I said no, because I looked at TikToks, and my body said, that's ugly. No offense to anyone from Nashville, but that's <laughs> like that's just what my body said. Um, and then you invited me, and then I was like, oh, yeah, I guess it's time for... And that was kind of like a review thing, where I was like, I said no, and then I came back. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I didn't think you were going to say yes. Yeah, I was told by reality. Wow. <laughs> yeah, and then we've been talking nonstop for two
0: days. And yes. And so I'm like, oh, this was definitely for the review process um yeah but we'll we'll uh you know we'll put out the monthly episode of of spiritual bow as a result well here are some here are some trying to figure out where i where i want to start with this some things i want to talk about i want to talk about individuality because I feel like we define that very similarly. And something that I have been, and sorry to people who are on the Patreon and are sick of me talking about this. But something that has been really interesting to me in the, the last couple of years that I've been in a review period is that the, the thing where everyone's talking about utopia, new world, whatever, and the realization that everyone is defining that different but we're all talking about it as if we're talking about the same thing and the role of individual individuality in that and the vilification of the concept of individuality is really interesting to me because when I'm talking about utopia, I'm talking about a a decentralized reality in which pure individuals show up and co-create with the absolute minimum regulation of each other, right? And that this entire process of whatever you want to call it, waking up, whatever, is actually just individualizing, which might not be a word. Does that, I know that you're a very individual
1: person. Is that how you define it? I, yeah, except I don't think about utopias a lot mm. just because I feel like inherently utopias involve other people. And it doesn't mean that, like, I don't think other people are involved in my personal utopia. I just don't know. I don't, I guess, I, when I think about my personal utopia, I don't think about other people. Like I mm. um, But that's, but Scorpio, though, it seems like a very selfish sign, inherent, like, it's very individual by itself type of yeah energy lone wolfy things um but i i i love individual i'm individually wired in human design you are you mm-hmm. are too yeah um i i think i have one collective channel in the, the like sixteen to forty not to get all human designing but um i'm very wired for individuality, and i believe that when people are taking care of their identity and aware of their personal specific individual identity that their experience like the people that they talk to changes the how people talk to them changes like everything in their life changes based off of an individual basis and that's like actually the only way that i can see change is through interacting with individuals i don't know how people do the big group things Mm. and my brain doesn't i there's too many variables i think Mm. Um, but when I'm working with individuals, or like even when I'm having group things, all of my group things involve some sort of like self reflection or self inquiry because I, you have to have conversations with yourself for your life to change. In my opinion,
0: yeah, yeah, and I think we're we're talking about and thinking we we think similarly mm-hmm. on that. And I, what has stood out to me in the last couple of years because I can get very swept up into what other people. Th- the 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 perspective through which other people are seeing the world mm-hmm. um i am very kind of impressionable in certain ways and so I'll spend time in other people's perception then it takes me a while to go like okay but that doesn't actually resonate with what i'm talking about and what i realize is that when i'm talking about community because i am someone who's who's wired so individually maybe because that is the way that I see the world. And because I find so much of the codependent reality and I define codependency as needing things outside of yourself. So validation, not that those things are not nice and okay, but when you need them, when you need someone outside of you to define your truth. When you need someone outside of you to define, to be your authority, when you need someone outside of you to make you love yourself, whatever, to me, it's the inefficiency of Mm -hmm. those things that makes me go, well, that's never going to work. You're never going to get any sort of utopia. And I am now going, I am in a review of, is utopia just another delayed happiness mm. is the idea of creating a new world which i do have a sensation that there is a game shift and i was you know my a lot of my life is based on that idea but i have contentment in this moment and and have for very for decades so that i there's i've never been like i hate this reality let's get to the new one but mm. i think i may have encouraged that in talking about it and i have started to look at a lot of spirituality as escapism that I've participated in, um, where it's just another thing outside of ourselves that we are looking for, right? So I do feel the opportunity to create a new world and imagine it from scratch. Mm -hmm. And in, in my projected imagined reality, because I am a very individual person that does not like to have the pressure to homogenize to someone else's version of reality. I do it sometimes on my own, but I do not like to be told what to do. I do not Mm -hmm. like external authority that in my head. And something also the alien said was that if everyone did exactly what they wanted to do, uh, this thing would run perfectly because there are people that want to do the things you don't want to do and whatever, but the problem is is that everyone's so swept up in envy and I don't want someone else to get away with doing things and they don't work and I work. Right, right, right. Like We're also so swept up in bullshit that no one's doing what they want to do. They have no idea what they want to do. And this is why everything sucks and everyone's fighting all the time, but also humans have a desire to impose mm. their their worldview and their moral compass and their whatever on other people. So utopia for me, a functioning society to me is utopia, a functioning reality in which most, you know, in which people are all capable of living a life that brings them contentment and joy is what I do believe we are at a stage of consciousness that it's possible Mm -hmm. in our lifetime. Um, but I think that we do have to spend some time looking at what are we all talking about when we say that. Because when, when other people define their utopia, I go, oh, well, that's actually, to me, a rebranded version of what we're coming out of. Mm. It's a different moral compass, but it's the same thing. And then I, uh, I don't want to live in that world. I don't actually like what you're talking about. So do we have a way for you to live in your utopia and me to live in my utopia? Mm -hmm. Can we give each other enough space
1: for that? That's what I think. At least that's because I feel like I've created heaven on earth for myself um, after living in not that for some time. And so it feels very, very, very possible for me to help individuals find their individual heaven on earth um, and then have that ripple out if they want it to. Uh what what happens sometimes when I talk this way is that people are like, well that's like selfish and you need to think about um everyone. And I'm like, I literally can't. I don't I like I just I can't, but I'm really good at helping individuals making their life better. One by one. One mm. person at a time. I'm I'm good at that. And like even in group things. Still my intention is like at least one person when I put this group thing out is going to create their own heaven on earth mm-hmm. when they do this. Um, So I can't spend a ton of time. And something that actually I feel like makes this even more intense for me is when I did a lot of human design readings, there was a point where I was doing like 50 a month for people. And it made me realize how differently people are wired, how different people's intentions are, their symbols for like whatever it is that they're wanting in their reality. Different things mean such different things to people that I don't understand collectives of people and there's no way for Mm. me to like understand a group of people and say that they're this because when I talk to individuals I'm like you if I if I was to gather you together with people who I decided are similar to you I would be lying because I would have a conversation where I would say the word pink and you would see a completely different picture than the person next to you and Mm. like I I it makes my brain hurt to even try to. I can't, I I refuse actually. I don't want to. And so my thing is helping one person change their life into uh, their personal utopia. And do you think it's possible to,
0: for people who are wired more for collective or tribal stuff, do you think it's possible for, to change things for large groups of people Through any other mode than one individual helping another individual, who then goes on to help other Mm. individuals and go on. Because to me, that feels like the only the starfish back to the ocean. Do you know that? Yeah, yeah
1: that that Christian trope. Yes, (laughs) I think because I feel like I have a feeling that my mom is probably more like tribally wired, and she's very like she donates to like people in the church who like these are families who also go to the church but like they're less fortunate and they can't be they have they need to be like taken care of and so she like cooks meals and stuff like that for mm-hmm. like those and that feels very tribal like taking care of the tribe um and that to me feels like okay well if like you're doing this it's it's influencing like the people in the church to make sure that these people are fed then i'm like well as long like you're you're making sure people are staying alive and so that is having an, a ripple effect and an impact um i don't i don't see it as creating heaven for people um mm. but it's keeping people alive to d- work towards something better like something any day something could happen that helps them to like realize that like their life is beautiful or something like that um but like I, my mom is definitely m- more tribally wired than i am and doesn't she doesn't actually like i don't think she knows how to talk on an individual basis mm. actually it's really it's interesting Something I love about human design that
0: unfortunately not a lot of people know what it is, but as a system, you know, similar to astrology, a similar uh, a system for discovering who you are and and having some tools. The thing that I like about it is that it's so di- uh, based on diversity mm-hmm. and gives you a different framing for. As we come out of this very homogenized reality, it gives you a different framing for different people's energy works different. Yes. Therefore, we cannot have if we want things to actually function because what we're coming out of doesn't work. That's my issue with it. Codependency doesn't work. These systems don't work. People don't fit nice like neatly into the good or bad box. People don't define success the same. They don't define some people are productive naturally, other people are not productive naturally. It's not fair to build a society that benefits one and not the other. We know this, but then we kind of try to build something new with the same structure. Mm -hmm. And the problem with the old structure is that it says, this is what is good and this is what is bad. And my issue with so much of what we're doing right now in trying to build something new is we're going, okay, well, we're going to define good differently than we used to. And we're Mm going to define bad differently than we used to, but we still need everyone to fit into one Mm -hmm. of these boxes rather than saying you know and there's an episode of spiritual bro with Dan Donahue that may have already come out or will come out after this i don't fucking know what i'm doing ever but where we talk about service and what service looks like to different people and i think that i see a lot of a push towards more of a tribal thing or more of a community based thing that i think comes very naturally to some people mm-hmm. But then there's this kind of villainizing of the individual. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we've ever seen, we've not seen individuality
1: in our lifetime. Right. As like a majority, like way of being, I think, I think um, people are mixing up and it like we talked about this with you, but mixing up individuality with selfishness mm. and they're thinking um, that individuality is like, I have to get, and it doesn't matter what happens to anyone else, or I have to get at the expense of Mm. other people, and I'm not going to, um, I don't care if I destroy people to get what I need, Um, and I don't see that as individuality. I see individuality as being willing to, like, actually know yourself and take responsibility for, like, your internal symbols and see how those internal symbols are playing out in your external reality and how you're in charge like that that to me feels like individuality and i also i also don't believe that everyone's ready for it actually um Mm. which like there are times where i'll speak to people and i can tell that they're not ready to hear what i have to say um about that like individual symbol meaning something in your external reality um because they will quickly go back to like blaming something when I say like, Oh, well you like, what are you like, what are your expectations around this? And they're like, well, this person or this situation. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I'm not saying anything else. And it's not even like I'm mad at them. It's just that I feel like it literally just won't click. And I, and it then I know it's not my business. um But I do see more and more people understanding the the internal symbolism and how that's very it's a very individual experience and how how people are having extremely you can be in the same room and having a completely separate experience and the person literally next to you yeah um and i think that and like i don't even think you need human design to know these things i think it's just like like watch other people and notice how different they're experiencing their reality compared to you um i feel like that's happening more and more I don't know if I answered your question. I'd... You did. Okay, cool. You did. Yeah. The,
0: um, I think it's like everything else where it, certain things come eat, like we were talking about. <laughs> I feel we covered all this in the last two <laughs> days, so we're going to say a lot of what we we're talking about. You have some people who can sing. They're just born able to sing, and then you have other people who have to learn how to, like, to sing, but then they can also sing. And I think that individuality is natural to some people and they're wired that way and other people will they're they're needing to learn it because there is something falling apart about Mm. the main there there isn't a mainstream the the way there used to be there's something about that safety in the group that has been falling apart and there are a lot of people who think that that is terrible and they're trying to put it back together but if we're going to put it back together and this is the part of me that's always looking for the most efficient way to get something done. If we're going to put it back together, then we need to start building communities based on something other than belief systems. Because mm. the, everyone's belief systems are shattering in a way that you can't connect. Something is happening energetically that is forcing people to become more honest and authentic.
1: It's it's funny because um, I, we talked about this when like with my partner, right? And how my partner doesn't really believe in the same things that I believe in. And for me, that's very important. I could not date someone who has a very similar belief system to me because that would drive me up the wall. Mm. And I think that the the a possible bomb to um, cr- creating community is like what are your needs rather than like what what is the familiarity or similarity between you and another person. What do you actually need from community? Do you mm. need stability? Do you need fun? Do you need uh beauty? Like what what are your needs? And when you're aware of those needs, they will get met in whatever way possible. So like before I met my partner, I was really into safety, like wanting safety and a feeling of stability and security. And he's a very solid person and he feels so safe and so like a rock to me, and that's what I needed in my reality. I could have could have been like, well, I sh- I had to date someone conscious who isn't human design and mm. da, da da da. But my needs are met by my community. Like even friends of mine. Before I'll make a friend, I will like I can feel myself being like I want to travel, and then suddenly I meet a friend who's like, let's go somewhere, and and I'm like, ah, great. And it's, it's not about us being alike. It's like I have a need that needs to be met, and mm. reality is gonna plop someone into my community that allows that need to be met. That's really interesting. So I, I, one of my favorite dynamics is the,
0: uh, balls out awake partner, you know, <laughs> I'm defining awake as into this sort of stuff, whatever. And with someone who's not into that stuff and is grounded and the compatibility factor there is not in having the same belief system because that gives you much less to talk about but rather the the mutual respect for the differences. So it's like you don't need someone to be into the same stuff as long as they honor and respect and see you for the way that you move through the world, right? And that can actually be so beneficial because you're bringing interesting new ideas and energy into the relationship but you, and then this this person's bringing in the stability and the you know when you're into this sort of stuff it's it's a pretty helpful to have someone around <laughs> who's not flinging in and out of download energy you know it can get kind of weird <laughs> but there is this this like we build communities based on things that are maybe not tenable moving forward Mm. and so a lot of what we're seeing in the shattering of the community to me feels like a move towards authenticity and unconditional love and compassion not to be Mm. so cliche but i optimistically believe that we are all of these experiences that we're having right now Are moving us towards a place of a baseline, unconditional, like, understanding of each other. Yeah. And then our communities will be very intentional, but they'll be honest. Yes. And that's what I don't see a lot of, is people being honest. There's something about, to, to keep your spot in the community, in a lot, a lot, a lot of communities that I've been in. It requires me to pretend to believe things I don't believe <laughs> because it feels like a threat to the group. If you go, I actually don't agree with that one part.
1: And while you were talking, uh, like all I, I was just like, oh, I need to talk about safety um, because to for that to be able to exist, and I'm going to go back to my individual thing, you, you, like people need to find an internal sense of safety that's self-sourced. Mm. Um, and if it's not self-sourced, then like very closely sourced because when you feel safe, you're willing to be honest. If you don't feel safe, you're going to do something to protect yourself. That's like, if there's some sort of threat, human, we have an animal part of ourself that our our attention, all of our focus, all of our motivation, everything we're thinking about, our everything that like we're moving towards moves towards that threat because it's like the, I need to do something about this. Mm. And so anything that comes out of your mouth is going to be to avoid that threat. I need to make sure that I don't get attacked or, or hurt by this thing. And if you don't create a sense of internal safety, you can't be yourself. It like it it's you can try, you can you mm. can pretend to be authentic or pretend to be yourself in a way that won't get you hurt. Um, but when you decide that you're safe, you're allowed to be whatever it is you're wanting to be.
0: So step one is really looking at safety and where you're seeking safety outside of you. Cause I, as a non-confrontational person found safety for decades in carrying myself. Like I am confrontational when in reality if it, and if it, it, people fell for it and then in stature I'm big you know I'm tall and I have kind of a deep voice and so but it was all pretty fake I wasn't consciously faking it but I carried myself with a level of bravado that kept me safe and as I beca- I have become a more vulnerable person and realized like oh I'm actually a very sensitive person and the need to be honest with what I know to be true about myself is so overwhelming that I needed to start to let that out. But having never found that internal Mm. safety, and that's where I never, I haven't thought of it that way, having never found that and having um, relied on external um, safety, I have in the last couple of years dealt with a lot of fear of other people. And a lot of fear of upsetting people or getting yelled at, like very child like very childlike things. And I'm I'm connecting that. I got in trouble for being sensitive and emotional as a kid. And so that part of me has been locked in a shadow basement for three decades, four decades. And as I'm letting her out, there is a part I developed anxiety and You know, I'd experienced anxiety transiently before, but it's like I have to take a pill every day right now to stop the anxiety that feels like people are waiting outside Mm -hmm. to um, beat me up. And it's because I let her out and now she's going, we are not fucking prepared Mm -hmm. for what, for me to be out here crying. Yeah. (laughs) We're not prepared for me to be out here. Do you have any.
1: any any tools for finding that my my one tool my... <laughs> do you have any tool my one um that i found through inducing anxiety attacks with weed uh <laughs> I purposely put myself into death like <laughs> scenarios to let myself feel terrified and unsafe um <laughs> Was playing out the worst case scenario because your subconscious can't tell the difference between um what's real and what's not. And so in imagining the worst possible thing, whatever it is that I'm trying to avoid. Mm. So like the, the people waiting outside your door, what are they going to do to you? Are they going to rip you apart? Like, mm. what are they like? Are they going to burn your house down? Are they going to stab you? Take your eyes out? Like, like letting myself see the worst possible case scenario, allowing my imagination to play that out and then say, okay, now what? Now what? Okay. And then sometimes it's like, well, you're going to die. And I'm like, okay. Is is that what, is that what you're afraid of? Because that's like a, like a human, being afraid of death. But then also, like, we don't really know what happens. And so it's like, are you actually afraid of that? Like, and then your body's kind of like, I don't know. I don't know. Or a, a more fun way of, if it's not, if you don't get to the death one, is like, oh, people are going to yell at me. And it's like, okay, and then what? Then they're mad at me. Okay, now, then then mm. what? And then... You're like, uh, uh, and then, like, when that starts to happen, you're kind of like, oh, I guess it doesn't really matter. And then suddenly you're willing to be safe because you're like, I mean, they're just going to yell at me. And, all right. And, or, or you say, when they yell at me, then I'll be mad at myself. And I'm okay, so you'd be mad at yourself. Now what? Well, I don't like myself then. Well, you're already not liking yourself now, so that you've done that. (laughs) So now you, you already know what it feels like, so is that really... Do you need to avoid that? Because it's happening. And then they're like, "Uh, oh, and I'm like, yeah. So you can just decide that, like, you let your subconscious watch this worst case case scenario play out, realize that it's not the end of the world, and you're automatically willing to be, like, 10% safer when you do that.
0: That's so interesting. I would call that playing the tape forward, and I recommend that for the financial anxiety or whatever, like, survival fears of, like, what if I'm not going to be able to pay my rent? Mm -hmm. My two tips for that are either uh, only allow yourself to think about things that are happening in the present moment. So look down at your feet if you're currently taken care of, then you're not allowed. You have force yourself to cross the bridge when you come to it. But then the other one is just play the thing forward to the end and realize you're still fine. So it's like I lose everything, I end up homeless. It's like for me, I have done that and it's fine. (laughs) I uh, enjoy the rise back up, but it's funny I don't. I haven't done it with this fear because there's something that feels so I don't know if it's primal or child, you know, or both, that is in such a contraction and avoidant space mm-hmm. that I don't like a lot of what I talked about in the first episode of this was I got really fearful of being wrong. And when I'm my best, I'm wrong all the time. Like that's kind of my whole thing is to find out like figure something out through making huge mistakes and immediately talk about it like I'm an expert or to read a medium article about something and then reframe it in my own thing and immediately talk about it like I'm an expert and I'm my best. Uh, I, I learn a lot through experimentation, but the amount of mistakes I make is so funny. I was trying to make blondies the other day and I was try- I wanted to, I had to make a second batch for the kids school thing that wasn't actually that day. And I didn't know that yet. And I, in my head was like oh i can just flip the pan and they'll be upside down and i can cut them that way but i was moving so fast that i was like oh but i don't want to put it on a cutting board i want to put it straight into the pan which makes the other pan which makes no sense because they're different sizes (laughs) and then i spend zero seconds thinking about it and i flip it and the whole thing is just like crumbs now and the amount of like constantly doing this
1: like MG plus third line together. Oh, God. It's like I make (laughs) – and so everything I know
0: in the world is is from making huge mistakes. And then also I change my mind so frequently that I'm like, oh, I don't agree with that anymore. And so there was something very scary to me in the last couple of years where I felt like there was a lot of people going, you're wrong. You were wrong five years ago. You did something wrong. That I was like, oh, no, (laughs) this is not the world I should be living in. And so I'm kind of coming out of that contraction and saying, like, I'm having another one of these moments where I go, it's being honest. Not being myself is actually fucking my body up. And it's, it's hurting me more than, like, getting yelled at, which probably isn't even going to happen. Yeah. But other people attaching their feelings to me just being a dipshit experimenter is just for them to figure out i guess i don't know i'm sure they're going to hurt my feelings and it's whatever if it happens but it it to me individuality finding out who we are how we move through the world accepting how we move through the world embracing the fact that it's not how other people move through the world making our own decisions This one's big creating your own moral compass and your own constructs. So I feel like what we're trying to do right now is we're trying to change the constructs and then impose those constructs on other people. Mm. Even if it's just through judgment, you know, so much of the spiritual community is about talking shit about people that are not spiritual. And it's like, what if that's not where we're going? Mm. You know, I, so many people are stepping into new awareness, but like, I feel like
1: aliens or or what? This is all just like people have different mythologies. But But my favorite people are normies who are artists. They're, to me, they have so much to offer. And, like, they have so much wisdom just Mm. inherently. Like, with that. But I also, you know, when I go into the spiritual bookstore, I want to die. That could be, like, my whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, like... I I feel like that cuz you you talked about um I think you talked about unconditional love mm. before and I feel like I feel like the the saying that out loud and the experience of it I think it kind of freaks people out mm. when they're actually experiencing unconditional love and I think that's why it's so important to learn inherent safety because when you start to unconditionally love people it's your moral compass is a little it's different because mm. it's like uh, I can't decide how like very quickly if you're a good or bad person because I just love you. That's it. Mm. And but like I don't actually need to make that split this second decision because I'm safe anyway. Even if even if I can't figure out if you're good or bad right away. I'm safe regardless of who whoever you are. It doesn't really matter if you're a terrible person because I, I can love you and not be touched. Like and that's something that I find personally very freeing um i do have to have boundaries which is like my internal sense of safety tells me like if like it's like don't go there now um not right now don't talk to this person right now maybe in like three weeks like it and that's me tapping into my internal sense of safety who's like you're not ready for that
0: Hmm.
1: soon not right now um and so like when you tap into that like I create my safety, I create my morality. That is I feel like when you're you're it's you're allowed to be surrendered to love, be surrendered to life because you have shown yourself I can trust me and my sense of like being protected or cuz I feel like a lot of times we we Uh, we judge people who are very like reactive or like, "Ah," but it's like they're just scared. That they're afraid that someone can hurt them. That's it. That's Mm. and when people are scared, they do weird shit. And I feel like we we do we when we're scared, we do weird things that we wouldn't normally do. It's it's not when we were talking about this before. It's like not who we are to to take some of the action that we take. Um, and so I am excited that more and more people are realizing that some spiritual people can't be trusted because it's like oh you can't just decide that because this person is spiritual that they're good can you Mm -hmm. that's probably not a good idea to to do that you need to figure that out for yourself you can't just put a label on someone and decide that they're good you can't just decide that because this person is black that they're good you can't just decide that because this person is white and they look like me that they're good that's in in like that's not it doesn't work you
0: can't put anyone in those two fucking boxes nobody is is one thing or the other. People are can be well intentioned and also be uh kind of scamming <laughs> and not know it and they can be driven by some subconscious desire. I've been thinking a lot about <sighs> i have tw- I have fifty thoughts Mark can you write these down i want i want to <laughs> circle back to selfishness and I, I, I want to circle back to unconditional love. I want to, I want to, I, that word gets, that phrase gets thrown around so much and I don't, I don't think it's something that we can know what it means until we've started to, to, I don't want to say achieve, um, started to get to that point. Right. So it's something that we've, we've been talking about. So I used to uh love to talk shit about spiritual teachers cuz there's something about it I don't I don't like. And I used to uh like to do eat the rich stuff and whatever. I've 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 played with all of these energies and I haven't been uh my guides weren't having it <laughs> in a lot of ways. And then I went on to have experiences where people who don't know me created a version of me that was based on you know very little information that they took in about me and i had to experience the pain of being on the receiving end of that i then also had to have experiences in the last few years where i assumed things about people because their life was easier than me and they um had a lot of th- you know they were pretty and rich and whatever And I assumed that because they held the power, they didn't have feelings or something. Mm. And I got to see myself be ugly in those situations. And I got to see that I hurt somebody. And that just because someone has power doesn't mean they are not a human. And I Mm. found ways in which I was dehumanizing people. And those were very painful experiences. It was very painful to be projected upon and have people committed to misunderstanding me and not want to see my humanity. And then it was arguably more painful to see myself so capable of dehumanizing other people and tearing them down, thinking that, they, that it was somehow my job to tear them down because they were up, whatever. I've also had experiences where I pedestalized people and thought, oh, because you're a spiritual whatever, you're talking about this stuff, you're good, rather than loving someone enough to see them for who they actually are. And when you, and this is something that sucks to be on the receiving end of, by the way, when you like an artist or a musician or someone who talks about spirituality it feels worse and you, they say some things that are helpful to you, but also their shadows on display. If you have your discernment turned on your internal authority, if you don't need people to fit in the good box or the bad box, but rather people are extremely complicated, nuanced individuals. And So when you vibe with something that that people are putting out and then you put them on a pedestal of they're good, they're not going to let me down. I've had people say to me, I thought you were different. Why did you think I was different? I'm known for drinking my piss. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My entire body of work is me just having how shitty I am on full display. But it is wildly painful to hear that you thought i was it like i have i I, that's a painful fucking like it's like your parents saying it's i'm not mad i'm disappointed you know it's like fuck i let you down and it's it's been interesting when i had an experience where i pedicelized someone and then i got let down i realized that's not their fault they showed me who they were on the second or third day which is a person with trauma and trauma responses And an inability to be vulnerable in some areas and subconscious motivation in some areas and, uh, and you know, and, and they got triggered or they, they moved into some whatever and and we misunderstood each other and then they hurt me and they don't now go in the bad box. I go back and I go, okay, that one's on me. I don't believe in blame and fault. So if you believe in blame and fault, just, I don't know, stop listening to me because I fucking, it's (laughs) exhausting. Uh, But for me, and this is what I like about like personal responsibility is like so much of, of, of what we've been doing. That's inefficient is like, well, now I'm going to talk about how you're a narcissist and how you're, I'm going to make sure everyone else knows that you're bad and whatever. And I'm not going to address the fact that like, I chose not to look at the parts of you because I wanted you to rescue me. Did you watch Love is Blind? Did we watch? No. No, that's... What's the one we watched, Mark? That's embarrassing. Never mind. Don't say it on that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Season three of Love is Blind. Just watch it. Anyway, keep going.
0: Really? Yes. Okay. Uh, We love love a homework assignment that is trash reality Mm -hmm. TV. I love an excuse to get into that. Uh, We're doing this for research for the podcast, babe. Um... (laughs) This is something that has been such a huge lesson for me in the last couple of years of ways in which I purposefully, subconsciously, choose to not see who people are, how they show up, whatever, because I have an attachment to needing a specific character in my life. And I cast them as that role and then the reality is, is that if I had my discernment turned on and no attachment to wanting them to be something, it was right there from the beginning. Mm. Oh, you were never going to be, is this the same thing when we, when we chase people who are avoidant or whatever, and then somehow feel victimized by how they move through the world when it was obvious, you know, and then it's like, well, they were very into me in the beginning. Well, someone being super into you in the beginning is actually a red flag <laughs> mm. for the potential of... Of attachment stuff and they're not bad they're traumatized <laughs> they're struggling to feel connection and they're scared of it they ghosted me yeah because they're not confrontational you know and it's like sometimes it's people are just abusive shitbags but i think that's so fucking rare i think hand-wringing villains <laughs> really like truly consciously know what they're doing are such an insanely small percentage of humanity yeah like
1: at least, like in, in my personal experience with like people in my reality, experiences they have where it was like the person who was the villain. I'm someone, and my friends know this. And I watch everything like as a neutral watcher, and I'm like, I'm not gonna pick your side. If you want that kind of friendship, don't talk to me because that's not really. I need mm-hmm. to watch everything as neutral because I watch everything for science. <laughs> everything is at least one time he told me I treat everyone like they're lab rats, including myself. <laughs> I feel yeah, it's not just that it's everything, um, but. I'm like okay so you you did notice that like they uh, like are very obviously traumatized right like in, in we all know this right and I feel like it, when they can hear it from me because I'm their friend and I love them they're like yeah yes mm-hmm. and I'm like okay because you turning them into the villain and like your enemy and I'm not saying that like there's certain times where people are not evil I'm sure that that happens. Um but when you ignore someone's pain or you ignore their 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 bad parts and that's kind of like spiritual bypassing, mm. when you ignore like certain things about certain people and you're like, "Oh, that'll get that'll be fixed." Or like, "I that'll change." And they keep doing it and then it it actually be, it, it becomes um what is it called? The momentum builds and it gets mm. gets even more and more intense. Um, and like, let's be honest about that. We need to be honest about it, so that the next time you have an experience, you can realize, like, hey, are you willing to accept this person fully as a being, or are you xing out their bad parts and hoping that it'll go away? Is that is that what you are doing with them? Um, and with these in these scenarios, like even even like in my partnership. I had to ask myself any sort of, like, flaw or thing that I saw with my partner. I'm like, am I willing to live without him changing for the rest of my life? Mm. And if that's the case, then we can be together. But if, if part of me is like, oh, I can't wait for that to go away, we can't talk. I'm sorry. Right. No, because it's going to become an issue. Because I I saw it and I chose to believe that it was not going to exist for some reason. Yeah. And we try to convince...
0: And I've done All that. Right. Yeah, I was just going to say... Uh, I've done just, it. I just would like it stated <laughs> in the room that I see it. Um, we try to... I mean, it was 10 years ago, uh, probably less than that. It's still normal, I think, in some circles to say... I saw a meme that was like... Not a meme, but a word on a picture that was like, I waited as long as I could for you to change or whatever. And it's like, that's insane. That's an insane thing to do. And when I do sessions with people who are kind of glitched out on their relationship i say if this person shows up the way that they're showing up right now for the rest of your life is this where you want to be the question is not how do i get this person to change the question is how do y-? and there can be collaborative things in relationships where it's like hey you know it's um you know it's really annoying to me that you don't flush the toilet could you <laughs> <laughs> like work on that or you know, is there a way that this this I, this makes me feel this way? Is there a way we can work through it? But the, the vast majority of what we're doing in interpersonal relationships, not just romantic relationships, is cre- we create constructs everywhere we go. And we go, this is the construct of how people should show up. Now, we're starting to change a lot of constructs where it used to be you have to text people right back. You have to stick to your plans. You have to do this. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, hey, well mental health, I don't know if I'm going to be depressed Mm -hmm. on Saturday. So we need to change this and expand this. And so I think we are doing it in a lot of ways, but I think a lot of learning to hold space for ourselves in ways that we were hurt in relationships, a necessary phase of that is to realize like oh i was being gaslit or Mm -hmm. i was being this but then i think if we want to continue to mature as people we have to acknowledge and i'm not talking about straight up abuse but we have to acknowledge that sometimes what we're experiencing is gaslighting Mm -hmm. is uh and i mark and i've experienced it's like we're there's tension in a conversation i've had this with multiple friends this year where then we are recounting the experience we had and you know my friend's experience is completely different than my experience and that would qualify as gaslighting if i'm refu- if i if i have no interest in acknowledging that that person also experiencing this through the lens of their own wounding is literally having a different experience mm-hmm. than me If she's afraid of being unwanted and I'm afraid of being in trouble, or if you're in a push-pull dynamic and that person's afraid of being engulfed and you're afraid of being left and you're both in a trauma response, the things that you're saying and the lens through which you're seeing it is subjective reality. Mm -hmm. And this is, you know, boundaries are very important and identifying like, I can't, the way that this person shows up is not working with the way that I show up, and being willing to let go of connections that are not working without needing to write a movie about how the person is bad or whatever, it's I'm so annoyingly. I'm becoming so annoyingly <laughs> compassionate mm-hmm. because I'm be I've I've I'm becoming whenever I say I'm I, have I finished the sentence in the last 10 mu- minutes? Um, whenever I say I would never do that, mm. I immediately do that. When I, I, would, I would never. And then <laughs> and then reality's like, hold my beer. And then I do. And then what happens with that is I go through a painful experience, but then I come out compassionate for that experience mm-hmm. because I have experienced it. And I've reached a point in my life where I've had so many of these that I am... I'm like, oh, that's why people do that. So spiritual bypassing, which you brought up, is a—I would love to hear your definition of it, but it's something that people talk shit about. It's something that I've done. It's something that I've talked shit about. And now I don't call it spiritual bypassing. I call it bringing your head to a heart party.
1: Mm.
0: And spiritual bypassing is something that people do when they have not yet learned how to drop or they've learned but they're not yet good at toggling in and out of their heart space. So and it's a phase I think mm. of awakening. I mean I'm not a fan of the New Age movement because a lot of it feels like words and and words that sound similar to the words that I use sometimes but like it doesn't feel like it's the same thing. So I think there is a religion. There's a spirituality religion mm. that because it became trendy is empty and that's judgmental maybe. And I'll, I'll take that back in two years, but even in that, when someone has not yet learned how to sit in their own vulnerability and show up vulnerably in conversation or in emotionally charged things. And I'm saying this as someone who has gotten better, but still isn't super good at it. They throw platitudes because they're getting triggered Mm -hmm. by the other person's vulnerability. And similarly, they throw platitudes at themselves because Mm -hmm. they have a deep shame about vulnerability. Mm -hmm. So when shit is difficult for me, I am, and I'm vulnerable and I'm helpless. I feel helpless. I am pushing my body and my emotions to everything happens for a reason so fast. Like, it... it, And it's in the last two years I've softened greatly, but there is a part of me that is deeply ashamed that I'm vulnerable.
1: Mm. That
0: is terrible. Vulnerability means literally, like, you're open to attack, you know? I mean, you're not protected in that moment. And... Uh, I'm really bad when people that are close to me, not on sessions necessarily, but like when people are having a big emotional reaction and they're, they're, they've are they been in it for a minute or they are um, – I used to not be able to deal with like my kids crying or anything and I would throw mental tricks at it. But I'm truly just saying put that away because you're setting my, my nervous system on fire. And that's because I've not yet expanded to the capacity – to sit. So I've just recently started being someone that when a friend is crying and upset, I don't say anything and it feels really weird if I'm being honest, because I have a, I have a belief that I need to be, be helpful.
1: That is uh, an interesting, so that's, that's the, the gift and not a gift for a while uh, for open em- emotional pe- beings is that mm-hmm. we're actually really, really good at being there for people when they're experiencing an emotional thing, because we have the ability to not feel anything when they're feeling something in emotional stress. We can just sit with them while they're crying. We have the ability, but we don't do that if we feel like we have to take responsibility for their emotions. We refuse mm. to not... So, like, if someone is, like, oh, going through something, something who, someone who is open emotional, because we can kind of, like, feel what they're feeling and we don't have the capacity to, like, hold their sensation, we're like, I need to save you from yourself because this is just too much. The other side of it is, like, Oh, you're just having emotions, okay? And p- I found that emotionally defined people love me, and I like they keep surrounding me. And I think the reason is because my my, my sixth signs in Pisces mom that I've talked about, my emotional manifestor mom, <laughs> who sent me to emotional super school, um, because I was with her. Oh, so.
0: I was just Mark. This microphone is like slowly making its way down the P's legs. Oh, <laughs> I thought.
1: That too. All right. Um. Okay, cool. I'm, I wasn't paying attention to it. <laughs> <laughs> the Power Rangers That's
0: fine if it kind of slips oh, a little bit.
1: Cool. Um, but my, and I've talked about this before, I'm sure on the podcast, but my six signs in Pisces mom um, taught me that I can't actually hold other people's emotions but what people are wanting from me is to not care about the fact that they're having emotions, to mm. not jump in on the story with them and be like, you know, I, like, I'm like, i going to go there with you. And they, My friends, my family, the people who are emotional, they don't want that. They want me to just exist and look at them with nothing. And when they do that, then they're like, oh great, now I can cry. Now I can actually feel the feelings in my body because you're not doing the thing where you have to save me from my my feelings. And I feel like that's probably what you're doing right now is learning like, Oh wait, like emotions. They're just a thing I can watch. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That, so you've, you, um, you've had a pretty healthy relationship with emotions as the, after my mom result (laughs) after your mom. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um,
1: and then sometimes like I've, I had to like relearn it temporarily with my partner because it's so funny. Also a Pisces, um, hilarious but um because we were so close that i was like i don't want to fuck you up like i don't want to do something weird or i don't Mm. know um but then quickly reality was just like same thing same game don't take responsibility they don't want that Mm. and it it's great to learn and then what's really beautiful is like my partner and my mom who are both emotionally defined they can handle it. Like, they are just like, it's just, it's going to fill me up. It kind of makes me feel like I don't exist anymore and it's just the emotion. But I they learn that, like, oh, I'm going to be done eventually. It's going to, it's it'll end. But, like, I just need you to not do the thing that you do when you try to, like, stop me. Because that's when things get not good and not enjoyable for anyone involved. That,
0: I think, it's so much of our problems like our interpersonal problems is based on our is is rooted in our inability not even our inability our conditioning around emotions where I so I was a, a Pisces Sun and Moon kid and um my mom her son is in Aries and her moon was in mass. She was on mass. She had no fucking <laughs> patience for <laughs> For my feelings, for sure. And when I was uh, little, I kept a a shame tally of... I would try to go... You know, at the... uh, It's been 90 days since our last accident (laughs) at work. I had a tally of every day that I cried. And I would just try to get a day that I didn't cry. And I remember it just went for months. I cried every single day. And it was a goal of mine to stop crying, to stop having feelings. (laughs) But... And Mark can attest to this. If anything is even remotely... Even if I don't like the... I've come across stuff recently where, like, I don't even like the person, but I find out they're suffering, and I it makes me cry. Like, I'm extremely sensitive. It's me too. annoying. And I got smacked in the face for that. If my mm. mom yelled at me, and she yelled at me all the time, and then I cried, I got hit. So, just in a... just. It was bad. And so I... And then it's the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Like, these were not... This was not an emotionally supportive time. The millennials brought that shit in. And I don't (laughs) think they realized the extent to which the rest of us did not live in that world. And I was deeply ashamed of sensitivity, the desire to be loved. Like, all of these things, I completely developed an alternate personality. And because of that, because crying sensitive jessa is locked in the shadow basement when other people would become emotional around me it would send it set off alarms mm. and i would be batting that down including my own children like i could not let my kids cry I mean, you're okay it's okay you're okay you're okay you're okay it's mm-hmm. okay it's okay don't cry that's a, you know I knew by the time I had the younger kids, like, not to say that's nothing to cry over or whatever. I understood what had happened to me, but I still did not have a container for them to cry. Mm -hmm. Because if they keep crying, something's going to – this kid is going to come busting out of the basement Mm -hmm. and my entire identity is going to shatter. And I can't – my mental space where I'm wholly identified cannot – process emotions it cannot hold space for emotions it can only bring the head to the heart party and try to tell you that people get hurt all the time everything happens for a reason everything works out in the end this a a person throwing platitudes at themselves or others is trying to protect themselves from emotional overwhelm sorry to ruin the fucking Mm -hmm. party it's fun to talk shit about this and vilify it but this it's a person who does not yet have the container, yeah, and they can't have the container until they they go through their own process.
1: I'll, I've I've heard friends do it to themselves when I'm when like they'll be going through something and then they're like, yeah, well, um, this there's gonna be a lesson, and I'm like, ah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's no lesson. You're pissed. That's it. Mm. That's it. And they're like, oh and it's it's almost like there there's a relief cuz mm-hmm. they're like oh i don't there's no solution there's no solution there's no resolution either just you're pissed that's it that's it and they're like oh and the next thing you know they're like i'm pissed my body's hot they're like and then they're like oh i'm done it's so fast <laughs> it's so fast listen if
0: you're you're still afraid of your emotions out there bros it's so fast like once i got the constipation out of like, had to go, it was almost like every time something traumatic happened to me, I shoved it in my body and then I just kept going. And in 2019, the dam broke and then everything had to come out of my body. And then it's still clunky and there's still a lot for me to learn, but in the last year I've, I mean, I used to, I would not cry in front of someone. If I started to cry, I would get up and walk out of the room and I would have such a deep amount of shame it would feel to me like I just pulled down my pants and shit on your couch. Like, that's real, truly like, I can't believe I just did that in mm. front of someone and that someone had to watch me do that. I did not go to other people when I cried. Mm. I, uh, I remember being in a, t- in, a, in a meeting and the first time anyone ever saw me cry in a meeting was when someone close to me had committed suicide mm. the day before. And I remember the simultaneous breaking down in the meeting as I was telling the story, and the the alarms like we're not safe, do not let people. Uh, and I apologized at the end for crying in front of everyone. So, and this isn't just, you know, my my thing was extreme, but not really for people my age. We don't know how to exist in a vulnerable emotional space, and the process of getting there is happening to many people. But so much conflict comes from simply people not knowing how to be vulnerable and you can't know it until you go through the process. And when you first meet someone, you'll get so many opportunities to see their capacity for vulnerability Mm -hmm. and to see their capacity for intimacy and to see their capacity for whatever it is that you're looking for.
1: I think capacity is important Mm. um, because like for me, I can... I can, people can experience a lot of emotions around me and I won't feel anything. Um, but there's sometimes where that I know that that's, I can't do it. So it might be a day that like, maybe I microdose shrooms. So it's probably not a good day for me to, cause I'll just <laughs> melt into you and become you. So, um, uh, but like if I have just had an experience and I'm still kind of feeling raw, um, or there's certain people where I can feel them looping. Um, and I have, like, I personally have, like, an anger about that, like, still, so I can't, I have to, like, be careful with myself because I know that I'm going to try to, like, start to try to fix something, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to have, feel resentment, Um, and so being really clear about, like, oh, what capacity do I actually have to hold, I'd say even your own emotions sometimes, like, there's times where I, like, I can feel something happening, and I'm, like, not right now, like... Give me three hours and then I'm gonna sit and like lay and what's a funny thing that I like to do is uh this is very dramatic in Scorpio. I like to pretend that I'm in a giant round concrete room where the sky there's you can't see the top. It this it goes so high up. Concrete, there's no light but like fire on the ground. I'm in the middle of this concrete (laughs) circle, lying, weeping. (laughs) This is all in my mind's eye that I'm Doing this very, uh, dramatic thing. Um, but sometimes I'm not ready for that and I have to trust like, okay, give me a couple hours and then I'll be willing to do this. And Mm. that's really like, like getting to know yourself and talking to yourself and being like, are you ready to have this conversation? Um, and like, even with my friends, they'll text and be like, can, like, I am feeling something. Can I talk to you now? And if I'm in a place where I'm ready for it, cool. Um, and like, for instance, my mom, it's still kind of weird. I can handle it sometimes, but sometimes it's still kind of like, uh, and I go back to baby me. Um, but when I'm like, okay, I'm like, I've, I've got enough sleep last night and I've drank water. I'm good. I'm ready for you to call and I I won't feel anything. So learning yourself, I feel like is, is a big part of that experience. And I, I feel like when people say the cliche, uh, being in relationships is all about knowing yourself. It is because you have to realize like when you're ready for certain interactions, when are you ready to actually feel your feelings? Do you need, what do you need? Do you need to like take a shower? Do you need to lay down to do that? Like wh- what do you need from yourself and what, how can you communicate that is mm. big?
0: 10 things. The, the <laughs> new move towards Asking if people have space before, before venting before, um, you know, so sometimes I'll message friends and say, do you have space to help me like to listen to me, pull myself out of the rafters? Cause I don't like to be advised <laughs> or, uh, yeah. Friends will be, do you have space for me to vent? Do you have space for me to whatever has been so helpful because it, it, I have a tendency to feel like I ha like I have to, like I'm bad. I'm bad if I don't solve your problems. I'm I'm bad Ooh. if I don't do whatever. And and a lot of times in the recent year, I haven't had space, so I had a lot of conflict in my friend my close friendships in the first quarter of the year because I had a of extremely traumatic near death miscarriage, and I was glitchy for a few months, and so I have certain dynamics in my life that friends vent to me or mm. talk about their problems. And what I learned in that three months is, and their friends was kind of overwhelming emotional experiences that typically doesn't have that big of an impact on me. But in that space, I had no, I I was, I was hanging on by a thread. I was put, I was putting myself back together, putting myself back on my square and I was very glitchy and I, 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 I would get spun out by their stuff And then I wasn't doing a very good job of communicating like, no, I literally need you to keep it flowers and birds right Mm -hmm. now Mm -hmm. until I have put myself the pieces Mm -hmm. back together because I'm shattered and I cannot like things that would not bother me. The slightest complaint Mm
1: -hmm.
0: was like, was throwing me off. And then in other things, I'm also not great if the problem feels repetitive Mm -hmm. in a lot of it's. I don't know. It's. It's different. I have found in the last year that I there is. There are certain things I'm just not good at holding space for, mm-hmm. and that I'm learning to set better boundaries. That I'm just not the person f- to come to with problems. Some t- or, or certain a lot like if if the majority of our interactions is talking about problems, I'm I become less and less compassionate. Mm-hmm. And it's because I'm I'm looking. I don't know why it is. I, I still haven't gotten to the bottom of it. But there's it, I just think it's boring. <laughs>
1: <That's>...
0: <laughs> I'm looking for some deeper things, oh. <laughs> and you're just like it's boring. It's fr- it's frustrating, and it feels like it it. I have savior stuff in me, I think, and I have fixer stuff, and I have proved my worth by solving everyone else's else. We have problems. Virgo
1: placements, right? Because mm-hmm. like, because so. Virgo moon Virgo rising and I can I have a the capacity to let people feel their feelings but a lot of my friends once they're done doing that then they want solutions and I'm like great I love that Mm. that's great I love doing that but like you need to feel the thing first but then I have one friend who's like there's sometimes where I want solutions and sometimes I just want to feel the feelings with no solutions at the end and I'm like I need you to tell me like when you're done feeling the feelings that you don't want solutions because that's just like what my energy does and like my solutions aren't coming from like you need to stop feeling it's more like I'm just really good at finding solutions yeah um and so people communicating that I feel like could be something for you to play with, like let people like have them tell you what do you what do you need exactly from this interaction um because I'm a problem solver, so like what are you where are you wanting to go with us? Yeah, I've gotten better at
0: asking, like are you looking for events or are you looking for solutions? But then I feel like yeah i've had just had experiences where like then they try my solutions and the solutions don't work. I think that the, the
1: venting is important first. They yeah. have to vent first, so that they can feel the thing, and then the solution. I feel like that's a lot more efficient. I find. Yeah, but if they don't, if they don't vent or they don't feel a feeling, and they try to get a solution, then like they're still in the. You can't fix it when you're in that energy. Yeah, like, there's no. It's not gonna work. I interrupted you saying something. You didn't.
0: Oh, interrupt me saying anything worthwhile. So I wanted to I, f- I lost it. What were the two things?
1: Selfishness and unconditional love.
0: How do you define unconditional love? <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> dun, 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 dun.
1: God. God. <laughs> yeah. Um, All that is Uh, the, and like when God talks to me, God is very accepting of all things that are happening as they are right now. And when people hear that, they don't like that. Mm -mm. Um, but that's what it feels like. Okay. And when I'm, when I'm being filled with unconditional love, I can look at something and fully accept it. That's what it is for, for me. I've seen some interesting stuff
0: kind of push back on the idea of non-duality and, unconditional love and a lot of these concepts there is no such thing as right or wrong Mm -hmm. and I feel like the part of the pushback is coming from like a misunderstanding of what any of it means obviously and in personal relationships these pants fit they don't fit (laughs) I'm really struggling to move try Abercrombie Jeans Do they have a lot of elastic in them? need a lot, a lot of elastic. My definition of unconditional love is that, is the, the energetic knowing that everyone deserves to exist and Mm. is worthy and that they are in the exact place that they are supposed to be in this moment. And that my desire to change them or for them to show up in a different way is about me, even when that doesn't feel true. So my, my definition of unconditional love is not something I embody. I, I've, I've, I've never made it an entire day by embodying it because as I move through the world and things trigger me and bother me, of course, I, my natural reaction is to say, you should be doing something different. To change my internal experience. But the further I move into this process of, you know, making mistakes and learning from those mistakes, I, my capacity for that becomes greater. And I think that that's direct reflection of my, my capacity to unconditionally love myself. Mm. I wanted to say earlier, unconstructed love. Oh, is what it means to me. It means that uh, mm. my love for you is not based on a construct that you are operating within. Yeah, people don't like that. People are like, <laughs> I'm immediately like, um, and I don't perfect that. But people like, can I love you if I don't agree with you? Can I love you if I, you're not showing up the way that I want you to show up? Can I love you if you've hurt me before? And the part that I think that people don't un like that people push up against with these ideas is that loving you does not mean i gave you i give you access
1: you read my mind it's literally what i'm thinking i'm like because when i have there's like friendships where maybe something will happen i don't stop loving you as much but you do get further away from me that's it and yeah it's like I, I love you so much but you have to stand over there and it's not because i don't love you it's out of respect for myself and i realize at any time that we interact that something happens in me that's like unkind to me and it's unloving to me. And so I need you to stand over there until it feels like safe and loving for you to be closer to me. It's like access. You you gotta, you're moved away. If you have a pet, um,
0: a pet dog, I don't know. I struggled to a pet giraffe (laughs) and the dog chews everything in the house. You don't stop loving the dog. You might a little bit, but you <laughs> you create a safer environment for you to coexist with that dog. Yes. If you have a dog and it, um, you know, hurts other dog, you know, you create boundaries to have the relationship with the dog in a way that works. And the benefit of seeing people for who they actually are showing up as. I won't say actually are because I don't think we've accomplished becoming who we actually are yet. But if you know someone and their shadow shows up like this and they have subconscious programming that makes them do this and when you're dating them, they tend to pull away, you can enter into a shadow boxing and uh, fighting things you cannot change, trying to change the person. Um... Get t- talking to your friends about what the person did and shouldn't they have done it differently? And you can expel an enormous amount and waste an enormous amount of energy trying to change things that just aren't that. Negotiating with a reality that isn't. Or you can see that person for what they are, s- drop into the heart space and go, you... This is your showing up because you're subconscious, whatever, without attachment. Because I've done that and been like, you're avoidant because your heart got broken before. Here's how to change it so you can show up as a convenient version for me. Mm. Not that. But rather going, okay. So you have some wounding that makes you suspicious. And when you get suspicious, you tend to attack. And I don't I don't enjoy being attacked. I really like you. I love hanging out with you. I've had a lot of friendships where they're they're a good fucking hang. But they don't have the capacity to um, be loyal in a way that keeps that helps me feel safe, Mm -hmm. and so I've had you know friendships with people who I would hang, but I wouldn't share a lot of things about myself, and I wouldn't give them access to a lot of parts of myself because they I had seen the the things that they do to their friends behind their back or whatever, and I go okay, I get why you're doing that. You're you you're not capable. You don't have the capacity at this point, this iteration of you to be a safe friend for like what I need, because I'm actually pretty, I'm learning I'm extremely skittish about other people, (laughs) but I read people for who they are. And I've, I've gotten burned by not doing that because I pedestalize people sometimes, but I read people for who they are and what they're capable of. And I watch what they do to the other people in their lives. And I go, okay, this is what this person's capable of. What do I what do i enjoy about this connection and and what's the proximity that works when i talk to people who are in a situation that i've been in where you are trying to get love from someone who simply is not capable of giving it to you they're not they're not capable or they don't have the desire to show up in a relationship the way that you want someone to show up my question is Why are you trying to get that from someone who either can't or doesn't want to give it to you? Because nine times out of 10, you're, it's the, it's the, why are you trying to get the Big Mac from the Burger King? Nine times out of 10, it's because it's not what you're trying to get. You're trying to get your parent to like you or, Mm. or whatever, right? But so much of our conflict comes from conditional constructed love where I... Love you as long as you bend yourself into mm-hmm. into pretzels to be the version of you that I want you to be.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. And and it brings that brings me back to like safety because when you trust that you're safe, then you realize like, oh wait, I don't actually need you to hold that shape for me because I can Get whatever I need. Like my needs are going to be met. And I don't need I don't need you specifically to hold that shape for me. Because Mm. I trust my internal sense of safety and that I will be provided for. Because that's what safety is about, is I'm going to survive, I'm going to be provided for. And so requiring people to perform becomes unnecessary. And it it's it it it's kind of weird when people do perform. Um when you have an internal sense of safety because it it feels kind of you don't need to do that. You're doing a weird thing where you're you're like not you're you're saying weird that, that I, we talked about this earlier when like yeah. someone's saying a thing and their body's not. And I'm like, you're wearing a costume and you're acting like it's not a costume and that feels uncomfortable. Um and I I'm I'm glad that the, the I guess like tension has risen it seem. uh maybe my weird thing about like it's like unprecedented times with tension I'm like I don't know I feel like there's always there's ha- the tension has always been in existence yeah um but I'm realizing at least in my reality that more and more people around me are learning the importance of their own internal sense of safety and how they're in charge of it and like when you try to externalize it it's I don't my my thing about life I don't think that life has an agenda um but it does seem that when you try to source things externally life fucks you up I that's that's what seems to happen um and I don't know if that's like us trying to make ourselves realize that like being trying to source things externally like doesn't work that's like my theories that maybe like we know that and we're trying to show ourselves like you have to stop trying to give anything outside of you more power than you have internally yeah but it seems like if you're trying to find safety outside life goes oh (laughs) you're not safe um until you decide that you are at least in my reality it it shows up and not just mine but like clients of mine also um and so that would be like my, my number one thing when it comes to connecting with other people is, and it, that brings back to individuality, what's happening internally, what needs need to be met? How can you need those? How can you meet those needs internally in the smallest way possible? Like, it doesn't even have to be like, I feel so safe. I'm so confident. Nothing can happen. <laughs> like I, but like, can you feel safe right now in this now moment? Can you feel safe for 30 minutes? Like even that in any way, start playing with that. I feel like that is the biggest thing I could tell anyone. At all.
0: That made me just think of the Tyler the <laughs> 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 I was
1: trying to think of an example and it was like... Uh, it's just funny because he, he says things so, like, rudely that it... it <laughs> <laughs> um, but Tyler, the creator, he said, how are you being cyberbully? Just turn your phone off, put your phone down. <laughs> and he said it so, you need to look at him say it. It has a very specific energy. Uh,
0: this is when Twitter's its best, is it just the quick funny snark. This so simple, but yeah, I've had that lesson multiple times where it's like, this is, only exists here, you can...
1: Put it down. Go find your safety. Yeah, I have, a. Uh, when people cancel my membership, I know it's, like, not personal most of the time, but still, like, when I get the email, like, someone has canceled the membership. I'm like, Argh. but then I move it to the folder where, like, the cancellations go so that my folders are organized and then feeling's gone. <laughs> wow. Just, like, move it out of my move it out of my, like, unread folder. It's, like, somewhere where I can't see it. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, I
0: I finally realized that hey, you can just like not read the exit surveys on Patreon. You yeah. don't have to know. You can just assume they all left because they're they they got they a got what they, needed. they got a different debit card or they're, they they're like fucking they're living in the mountains yep, and they don't have service. <laughs> so ha- you do not need to know that they're like this actually kind of sucks. Um Selfishness I want to talk about and then and then we can wrap this up, but there was something that you said that I'm not going to remember after the Tyler the Creator thing. <laughs> yeah, lost it. All right. Uh, selfishness is something that I think a lot about. That is subjective, and I, and and also necessary. You and I have been talking a lot about things I've been hung up on for a while, and you. We're like, oh, you need, to be, you need to be selfish. And I am someone who encourages selfishness in other people. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of my work is telling you to be selfish because you can't actually please other people. You can't please more than one person at a time because people want different things from you. And a lot of times it's what they think they want from you. And so in a lot of... Difficulties that people had, Like in 2019, I feel like I was just talking everyone into... I was validating everyone for ending relationships they didn't want to be in anymore. Because I can't do... I can't be in a relationship if I don't want to be there anymore. I can't. And there's nothing about a virtue of staying together. That's always so weird to me when people are like, oh, they've been together 75 years or they fucking hate each other's guts. I'm like, well, you wasted your life. You wasted your short amount of time here. So there are a lot of aspects of uh, selfishness that I think... It's very, it's ex, uh, exploitable.
1: Well, I, th- I feel like selfishness is very multidimensional, mm. and so selfishness can. Oh, sorry. sorry. Selfish. Turn it. Does it turn a little bit? Like that? Yeah. Ah, yes. <laughs> you know, I don't know how to use objects <laughs> in three D reality. Um, is that all? Is that That's good? Okay. That's Ah, uh, selfishness is multidimensional it's multidimensional and i think that we um there's there's aspects of selfishness where people become like they want to crush other people or step on people's heads to get from one place to another and i think that when people see people be selfish they they make the assumption you're the kind of, you're the, you're going to crush my head if mm. for any you don't care about me and you're going to step on me and use me to get from one place to another and there's that aspect of selfishness and then there's selfishness that's like i'm going to put myself first and I'm, I'm going to make sure that I'm taken care of. And not by any means possible, but I am going to prioritize that my needs are met and that I'm taken care of. And I feel like depending on your history and, like, your trauma with people, y- the way that you experience selfishness in others, you're going to perceive it in in that way. Um, and so I can find that, like, people will tell other people to be selfish, but then when they are – I ha- it's time for me to be selfish, they're like – That means I'm going to kill people. I'm going to, um, I'm going to commit crimes. (laughs) Um, that means that I'm going to turn into Satan. Uh, when I'm, when I'm selfish, because that's what I saw when, when other people were being selfish. Um, and so I would, I would get very clear on what it is you're wanting from the selfishness and like, are you wanting more time for yourself? Are you wanting to talk to yourself more? Um, are you wanting to make sure that you're clear about, like, how you want to be interacted with? Um, do you want to, like, clean up your... That C that I just said, it was so gross. <laughs> I... <laughs> do you want to... <laughs> clean it up. I didn't catch Ugh. it, but... <laughs> Sorry do you want to clean up um do you want to clean up the types of interactions that you are are having like clean up your space like and, and and it's like it can be so supportive like my partner and I are both very selfish people and I think that's why we work so well together is because we're very we both put ourselves first and because I know he puts himself sometimes he puts me first but because I know for like I know he's a selfish person I don't have to worry about him very much I don't have to use my mental like time to think about what he's doing and if I need to like what what's Elias doing how can I, uh, and he doesn't need to do the same he doesn't need to do that for me cuz he knows how much of my mental power is being used for for me and so when you can show yourself over and over that you're willing to prioritize that you're taking care of it's it becomes muscle memory and then from that point you can start to take care of other people because you're it's it's just who you are to make sure you're taking care of and you don't need to be so cognizant of it and like it's it, i guess that's uh, whenever I don't know how to say that word autonomy autonomy I say every word wrong though so (laughs) autonomy I feel like that's like that's how you like learn whatever that word is um is by prioritizing yourself over and over and over and over until it becomes like it's just what I do I always make sure that I'm like I drink water when I'm thirsty like things like that And, Mm. and um Making sure you're taken care of, not by any means possible, but making sure you're taken care of. So something
0: that you said earlier, talking about external reality doesn't work, like ext- trying to get things from outside of you doesn't work. I think it did used to work. that's my theory. Is that in the last reality, the reality that the boomers lived in, it was an externalized reality, and when they sought happiness outside of themselves, they found happiness outside of themselves. When they sought love outside of themselves, they found it outside of themselves. And I think that's the big disconnect between that that cutoff of the old world and this transition that we're in, and we're moving into an an internalized reality. Mm in which we have the awareness of the way that our internal experience creates our external experience. And so I think the re- the, that's the real shift that's happening. People keep waiting for, oh, the government to start doing things differently or whatever, which is once again, externalizing your reality. The awakening, the shift, the whatever is a transformation of the internal awareness systems from a first-person shooter, a person who's experiencing everything externally, and then that creates an internal experience, to the tuning into the reflective nature, where I have a I have a belief about myself and it is being reflected back to me. I have an expectation of other people and it's being reflected back to me. And we're getting the wiring under the board with that, and that's why I think those lessons are coming in. But I think truly the reality previous to the last 10 years... 12, 10 20 years was a fully externalized reality Mm -hmm. unless you were some weird like enlightened person or something but if the the game we were playing was and i believe anyway um the importance of embodying or defining selfishness for yourself and using it and i say this as someone who's who struggles with it but understands the necessity of it is autonomy means you're a self-contained reality. So you create, you provide yourself with safety, which I'm going to spend some time thinking about that because I hadn't really thought about it that way. You provide yourself with your own authority. So my body, my gut, my inner knowing is the authority. And it kind of doesn't I can get spun out on external authority, but for the most part, what has felt true to me my whole life is that I am my own authority and that you, someone outside of me can't be my authority because you don't know what I want. So how could you tell me to do the things? I just don't believe that the government or anyone else is my authority because I didn't put you there. And when I was a kid, I remember teachers telling me what to do and I remember being like, I don't even like you. Like, I just, it was so crazy to me. It's like, how did you get here as my boss I will take input from people if I you have something I want, but so it's just foreign to me. But external validation, needing someone outside of you to tell you that you're good or whatever, we're working through that. But it you do get burned
1: trying to get that outside of yourself because it's all subjective. And I I I see why I see why people want it though because I think when you start to realize that external validation is something that happens after you validate yourself and that it doesn't come first I think that makes it makes life very trippy Mm. it's like so wait so you mean to tell me that I decide I'm important and then reality tells me that I'm important and suddenly now everything that's what and that it it starts to show you how malleable like physical 3d reality is I think that gets really creepy for a lot of people yeah. Like most
0: people think you'll know when you're successful because everyone else will see that you're successful, but it's actually just a switch. You can flip inside of yourself and then reality Literally reflects it back.
1: You can just decide. And that I think makes, kind of fucks people up a little bit.
0: And if you don't believe that that's true, think about times where you thought you were a piece of shit and people immediately reflected that back to you, or you had imposter syndrome and people immediately reflected it back to you, or you thought you didn't have the right to cancel plans and then somebody yelled at you about it. It's, it's, it's an, and it's becoming faster and faster mm-hmm. as we become more aware. It's you have, and I've had people go, well, no, cause I was having a good day or no, I was optimistic about this. And it's, 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 there's also a fantasy version of thinking that you feel successful. And that's a whole, that's, it's a whole nother podcast. Selfishness is taking responsibility for your experience. And then also. Mm-hmm having boundaries in your, and this might not be true, but this is my feeling on it. I feel like most of us are not selfish. Most of us uh, dedicate an enormous amount of bandwidth to trying to manage the experience of other people. And I think that saviorism is a shadowy aspect of a lot of us and that it's not coming from altruism it's it's coming from fear it's coming from, it's coming from trying to prove our worth it's coming from tr- some like subconscious desire to save ourselves some child version of ourselves and if i don't put myself in charge this microphone thing is so funny i oh, it's really bad now Jeez, <laughs> you put it there, by the time I'm done talking, it should be in the right spot.
1: Just it, hold it. Can you turn it again? Can you point it should be pointed at you. Oh. Just so turn the, the... Yeah, like that. Okay. <laughs> Anytime there's any sort of man- mechanical directions, <laughs> my brain's like, we got to start giving me
0: that <laughs> mic stand, although it is a really funny bit for every <laughs> podcast, yeah. is just to set the microphone. <laughs> um. Selfishness for me is, is taking care of ourselves. Like I'm in charge of curating what brings me joy, how people are going to treat me um, uh, when I have space to do things, what I want to be involved in, whether or not I want to participate, what I believe, how I show up. These are all my things and it's my job to regulate my energy, to gauge my energy to ask my body or my inner authority what I want to be involved in and for me to write the, my own constructs to my own reality. And if other people feel attached to what my construct should be or how I show up or how I use my energy, it is, I have to set boundaries with those people and let them know that that's not how I operate in the world. I am a self-contained autonomous reality and your definition of good is not my responsibility and the and this this thing that i'm talking about when i say self-contained it means i stay in my own aura and i operate in my own aura and selfishness to me is not crushing your opponents taking from other people i think rugged individualism is is heavily misunderstood with individuality and that is is codependent because if you have to take from other people to have your thing that's you're co not individual that's, that's not, not individuality you're codependent it's not even selfish selfish is all in its own thing mm. parasitic is feeding off of other people so if you are robbing stealing manipulating to get uh your thing so much of like t- the gross things in capitalism we call that selfishness there's nothing fucking selfish about that it's it's literally codependence. You're ta- you're rising to the top because you're taking from other people. It's not selfish. That's not my definition of selfishness. Selfishness is um, in my own thing. However, you might say, hey, you're selfish because you didn't call me back. Or you're selfish because you didn't d- show up the way I wanted you to show up. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, well, you're being codependent. Like I don't believe that. I don't believe I'm obligated or that anyone else is obligated. And sometimes I forget this or sometimes I'm not... I'm um, I've emotionally attached to how somebody else is showing up in the world. And then I have to reverse engineer that myself. And I go, okay, why am I attaching mm. to how this person is showing up and I'm trying to make them do something different in, per, in uh, interpersonal relationships? Mm-hmm. I can do that, but that's my work to do because my, my hyper. And, and then I think that most people, and this is the whole episode with Dan is about most people want to be of service but my definition of of service is different than, well, it's the same as yours, mm-hmm. but it's different than other people's definition and that I have to selfishly, selfish meaning a self-contained autonomous being, a uh, reality creator, I have to set boundaries with people who want to impose their mm-hmm. definition of service and or their definition of good or their definition of whatever and i have to show up the way that feels true to me.
1: And i feel like the more you show up and the more you're okay with the fact that your way of service is like your way of service, the more people who need your way of service find you and the less people who don't need your way of service or don't align with your way of service, it's like they can't see you. At least that's what i cuz when i first started like kind of I, I would have interactions with people where they'd be like rawr, 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 rawr. um about like me and my work but I feel like the more that I own it and I'm like this is how I show up in the world this is how I have to show up in the world it's going to come off rude sometimes it's gonna come off selfish it's gonna come off that like that I don't care or cold I've been called clinical and cold and mm-hmm. I'm I am cold and clinical but people want me to like slice through things quickly that's that's my energy and the more I own that the more I people who need that find me and then they say things like how did you know exactly what was happening in my brain and i'm like because i came here for you and like that but i have i the fullness of who i am came here for you not not who like i'm pretending to Mm. me my being was came for you but i have to be very truthful to myself because that's the only way i'm going to be able to help you as as much as as like efficiently as i can
0: Wow. The um, the efficiency part of me also feels like selfishness is the only way for people to be taken care of because this idea of, like, we need to take care of other people is so annoyingly vague to me mm. that how do we mm. make sure that everyone is taken care of? Either we all need to assign that you're assigned to taking care of P, P is assigned to taking care of this person. <laughs> Otherwise... We are – and also you can't actually take care of other people yep. because you don't know what other people yeah, they, need. Their health
1: bars need to be displayed above their head. I need hugs. I need food. I need to, to be left alone. I need to be looked at with neutrality. I need t- you to be on my side for a second. I, like there's, But that's not happening. Right. <laughs>
0: And by the time that people get to a place where they can clearly identify what they need in the moment they need it, they're, they're probably already learned how to give it to themselves.
1: And I talked to, we talked about this when I was like in my suicidal period of life, the best thing I did was spend time with my not feeling Capricorn father who just left me alone. Because if I was with my mom who was like, oh, sweet baby, oh my if I I couldn't, that Mm would, I would have been gone. I wouldn't be on the planet anymore because that's, for me, when people are treating me like that, when I'm in pain- I don't know why I'm like this, but it, it makes it it makes it worse for me, yeah, um but like if you could just leave me alone in a room, I want you to exist in the same house as me, though, and like be puttering around doing things like for some reason, like having a being alive in the same space as me is really, really great, but don't look at me <laughs> when I'm in that. Don't talk to me. make sure I eat. that's like helpful. Um, that's it. Leave me alone. Yeah. And give me food. Um, and two months of that. And I was not wanting to fully die anymore.
0: Yeah. And were you able to identify that that's what you needed? Like, did you know? Cause you said you no, reached life, out.
1: Life. Well, I was talking to my mom and my, I, I realized that every time I talked to my mom, even though she's being so sweet and kind that it made me want to die more for some weird reason. And then I remember having, I talked on the phone with my dad and he was just, like, uh, like, he was just being himself. And it's, like, I could feel everything in my body calm down. It was really weird because that's, like, not the relationship that I have with my dad. I at least hate him. Um, and, like, I could feel, like, <sighs> when I talked to him. And I was, like, that's strange. Um, and then I, I talked to my mom again. And she, she's the one who suggested this. And I think maybe, like, because I realized how calm I got, then reality was, like, I think you need your dad. And so she said, you should go live with your dad. And I was like, uh, she said, you're, she, she said should. And then she decided that that's, what's going to happen. Cause she's the manifester also. And she was just like, she's like, my child's going to take herself off the planet. Um, go stay with your dad. And she like talked to everyone to make sure that like she made it, somebody drive down to Atlanta to like take me back to, in, to Ohio. And I had to like live there for a while. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So what other, like what
0: one person needs, the other, other people don't need. And there's really no way to know that unless people can say it. So I'm not advocating that nobody take care of anyone else ever, but I am advocating for identifying what it is that you need and making that your number one priority. And it truly does. It's like the only solution. It's the only thing that would work. Um, thank you so much. You have a, a workshop coming up. When yes. is it? December 31st. Okay. Because... That'll force me to put this episode out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. I wanted to do it on New Year's Eve during the day because I'm, I don't know, that felt fun. Um, and it's a, it's called Solid Self and it's about agreement with the self and acceptance of the self. That's the the main premise of it. Uh, like I was do, I was like organizing it a bit more this morning and I'm like, this might be the most important thing I do. Um, but it's like a one day thing. So I'll probably do it like more and more as time passes, but it's a workshop and it's going to be teaching in the beginning for a little bit and then like discussion in groups, generative discussion in groups, not just whining. And I know people are like, what? Generative discussion in groups afterwards.
0: Okay. Is this, we don't have time to talk about this because I need to eat and and switch to sweatpants, but <laughs> is this, um, self-rejection is something that we've been talking a little bit about. Mm-hmm. So it's been a huge theme in my life and kind of part of the reason I haven't been putting out episodes because I realized that I was in a place of like rejecting past versions of myself and I was like wanting to do that on podcasts for some reason. Is that kind of what this is talking about? Like where we reject the Mm -hmm. ego or we reject the mind or we reject the the i want the next episode of aod is actually about letting your ego out of the basement (laughs) (laughs) because you think we're i'm spiritual so i put my ego in the basement but also rejecting past
1: versions of ourselves that made mistakes Mm -hmm. or um, yeah 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 is big self-acceptance in the now um and noticing why you might have been rejecting yourself um, and how even that was out of love, which I feel like we don't think that a lot. Um, and it could be out of like love or protection or something like that. Um, and then being able to give yourself what it is that you're needing. Like what, what why were you rejecting yourself? How can you give yourself that some, another way? Um, and that way that will make space for you accepting yourself. That's mm-hmm. another intention of that.
0: Wow. That's what we need it. I needed it two months ago. All right. Jessaread.com. Who the fuck knows? I don't know if you want to like pay money to listen to this. You can do the Patreon, I guess. I don't know. That's my marketing. I'm teaching a marketing (laughs) (laughs) masterclass. Basically, if you buy this, you're probably going to (laughs) die. God um i just like can't choke it out there are people that are like oh you had a patreon it's like fucking who gives a shit (laughs) i am doing stand-up comedy again this is definitely not going to be my best work i've not been on stage in three years uh but if you are in salt lake city (laughs) cedar city utah start with all the real big cities Mm -hmm. salt lake city cedar city utah um somewhere near arizona and I can't remember the other place. I'll put them up on my website before I load this up there. You can see stuff. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank this was a lot of fun. Thanks for coming and hanging out this weekend. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> 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 I don't know how to hang up a phone. Love,